1: Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: Hello and welcome to Las Blancas Podcast. I'm your host, Yash Thakur. And today we are here to discuss Real Madrid's game against Granada in the league. It was... uh, a pretty fun game if you like goals there were seven of them five for Real Madrid and two for Granada but it the game went in a in quite a weird fashion wherein we scored they scored back we scored again they scored back and then our substitutes changed the bench there were many changes in the lineup and we will discuss all of that and the tactics that were involved And ask an important question about the squad and the manager in the squad. And to do all of that, I've got Kanita with me. Kanita, how are you doing today?
1: Well, I mean, I guess I'm doing well. Uh, Neutral, maybe. I don't know. Um, It was was an interesting game. Granada made it more fun than probably uh, anyone expected. Um, So, yeah, I mean... It was an interesting game. There were uh, excitements. I mean, seven goals. You, you can't really say that it wasn't interesting. So, yeah, pretty normal thing to feel at this point. Uh but uh, I mean, we'll get to it. But yeah, the rotations, the the like, the such severe rotations are just killing me. I d- I don't know anymore. But yeah, we'll get to it. So yeah, what's your start?
0: Yeah. So you mentioned this about the changes and okay before we get into this i just need to put a disclaimer that i <laughs> i haven't stopped cuffing for <laughs> the last week so yeah that is that uh i'm just putting it out there because my voice has been a bit bad and my throat has been a bit bad but yeah uh so yeah uh, you mentioned the changes and there were plenty of them like there were three changes in, in defense itself. Like we basically changed our right back. We basically changed our left back and we changed one of the center backs. And then <coughs> once again, we changed the striker. We brought in Felair to start. So I'll read the lineup for, for the listeners first before we get into trying to make sense of what these cha- changes meant. So Misa started in goal. It was Kenti at right back. Ivana as the right center back. Sousa as the left center back. Savava as the left back. Tere and Zornosa in the double pivot. With Raso, Caicedo, Athenea and Feller forming the front four. So right out right of the bat. The major changes that we see is in the back line right. We have entirely... Like we have basically entirely changed the backline from the previous game against against Wadaranga in the in the Champions League and even then we spoke about defense not having synergy because in that game too we saw the defense struggle against pass forwards. We saw the defense making mistakes. And in this game as well both of the goals were just defensive howlers like It wasn't like Granada weren't creating, uh, apart from that, they were, they were pretty good at getting into the final third. They were pretty good at trying to build something in the final third. They were able to sustain the ball there as well. So it wasn't like Granada only scored because of our mistakes, but our mistakes were pretty prominent. And you could clearly see at times the lack of synergy and... At times, the lack or or the decline in some individual defending as well, because uh, some of the (laughs) stuff that we saw in 1v1 defending was not great at all. There were mistakes all around, Uh, there were mistakes from Tere. There were mistakes from Kenty. There were mistakes in the box by both of our center backs. Then Misa hasn't really like looked that great either. So, you know. When I looked at the lineup, my first thought was, was there even a need to like rotate that heavy in defense? I can understand making a couple of changes in attack, you know, uh, especially I understand Brun's uh, uh, like replacement Brune being replaced by Feller in, in this game because we have spoken about this when we talked about the new signing as well, like managing Brun's minute, minutes will obviously be helpful to us because Brune is a player who has sort of struggled with injuries, struggled with remaining fit throughout the season. So managing her workload now that, you know, she sure shot will be in the Denmark squad. She probably will be playing as well for the for, for the Danish squad. You want to manage her minutes a bit and I'm fine with that. You know, you make a couple of changes uh, in attack. Uh, you're going against Granada. You bring in Raso, that's fine. You know, you can give her a chance as well. <coughs> you have Atenea, Caicedo, feller and Raso. That's that's a great front four again. Like you can make a couple of changes and you can still feel a very, very respectable attack that should be winning games on their own. But then you come, at, come and look at the defense. Defense doesn't work like that, right? Like defenders need time with each other to understand how the line is supposed to work, how they are supposed to defend and what areas they're supposed to defend when their uh you know teammate pushes forward or is in a different like when the play is in a different phase but it, when you keep changing making three changes in in defense in back-to-back games it, it just hurts that there is no consistency <coughs> between the players so it becomes a bigger task than for the players like they're not just fighting the opponent they're also fighting the lack of understanding between the teammates as well Uh, and I am I am definitely like against making these many heavy changes in, in the back line because looking at how disjointed we have looked in this game I think it speaks for itself and people might argue oh we have three we have games every 3 days now players are not you know machines we have to conserve them but we are playing a game every 3 days for just 2 weeks so you know it's not like our schedule is extremely packed where we are going to play three games a week for for a month straight or for two months straight it, it's not the case and i think these players are physically capable and are at a different level where they can absolutely handle three games for per week for at least like two weeks you know and you can still make changes from time to time you can still rotate a player or two but you know when you're making three changes you're basically saying that okay I did not like the defense in the last game I'm going to switch it up then you don't Then you see mistakes in this game and then the next game you're going to switch it up because I don't think we are going to field this 11 against Valarangar midweek. So you know, we have basically made like we'll make probably another two, three changes in defense when we face Valerenga in the in, in the Champions League playoffs. That's six changes in defense in two games, so you know, doesn't sit right doesn't allow your squad to maximize their abilities in defense, especially so uh, I i looked i was i was looking forward to what we will see in attack but i wasn't like i was dead sure that we are going to concede and it, it is going to come from a defensive mistake somehow and that is what happened so yeah th- those were my, my thoughts on on the lineup uh, what did you make of it kanita when you first saw the lineup what were your initial thoughts and what do you think about this very uh, sort of hard uh rotation policy that Toril has been implementing in the in the past games is it necessary in terms of minutes management going into the season or do you think like players can handle it and we should be making just a couple of changes tops per game Uh, just share your thoughts on all of it
1: you know he's not really uh giving me space to react to all these uh lineup changes um it's, it's been too much so yeah, I, I don't even know how to react to the lineups, I mean, I just saw the lineup sheet saying, oh different again, That that's great um, and I know that we've been complaining like when he well, when he uses some specific players over and over again and then like Come on, you have, um, you know, like 23-24 player squad and just use them, you know. And while that all stands, it's uh, it's really, um, it's interesting to see it. He just goes from one extreme to another, I guess. Uh, there's a time where he won't rotate at all to a time that, well, he does this. And yeah, I mean, you already said it. Uh, my biggest complaint as well is that uh, he rotates the defense way too much. Uh, I mean, three changes in defense—that's—that's uh, that's crazy. I mean, the fourth one <laughs> didn't happen because we, you know, we only have three center backs, so uh, one of them has to, you know, stay. But it's I I don't I don't know. Um, I I still I I don't know. I mean, in the defense is the our main issue, obviously, and we've been complaining about the defense uh, making these uh, such bizarre mistakes in the past few um, match days. I think it's been like four games that he's been changing the defense over and over again. So yeah, it's been wild, and they do need this. Stability, you know, to get used to each other, to build this synergy around them. Like, as you said, in this game, we didn't really make some blatant uh, defensive mistakes for which Granada scored out of, you know. uh It, it was a um, different kind of goals, but uh, still, like, this synergy and they're just not used to each other, right? And I, I don't know. It, it's just a good idea. To change up this match, and we've been talking about uh, switching the sides of the center backs all the time, and then uh, he's literally been, you know, changing the players well now, and yeah, it just been too crazy. Um, the The attack, I mean, sure. Um, I don't even know. Uh, I, I was, I was actually. Confused when I saw the lineup. Now I remember, uh, because I saw Tania, Linda, and Raso. And okay, I, I, I immediately knew that fella would be, you know, striker. But that's basically like what four wingers um, in this lineup. And why I just, I just stopped thinking about the lineup uh, immediately because I knew that my head would hurt. And i uh, sure I knew that Linda would be uh, you know in ten old But like just seeing you know four wingers in the lineup sheet was just so wild to me. So yeah. Um and it was it was interesting to see uh you know Toletti getting dressed. <laughs> and we'll get to her later, but just uh Quick note that I didn't expect Stoletti to be benched for this game. Uh I'm not complaining though because she has been starting, I think, all matches. So yeah, about that I don't complain. But yeah, the the rest of the lineup was very, very interesting and very hard for me to process at first.
0: Speaking of all these rotations, does it at any point strike you like... This is the testing phase for Toril because A, he does not know his squad entirely, like he does not know the players that well, and he is still trying to find his best 11. Because to me, it does seem like that. Because this constant experimentation, this constant, uh, you know, breaking and stitching back together does seem like <coughs> He's trying to find his best eleven, which he has uh, he hasn't yet. He does not know uh, what he sort of prefers o- over the others, like what sort of midfield combination he prefers now that Weir is out, because otherwise Weir would have been a fixture. He does not know which centre back partnership he likes better. It, it seems like it- it's always a coin toss between Savava and Olga and apparently also at right back so you know it seems these lineups seem like they're coming out of the head of a person who isn't sort of sure about his best lineup yet and that is not necessarily a bad thing but also you have to sort like we have played some games now you have to sort of have a base 11 and you can make changes to like sort of maximize it like, you know <coughs> We probably know in our best 11 the striker is brune We probably know Linda is one of the winger and Athena is probably the other Then you have the number 10 spot that you need to pick a player for you know, you have Maite, you have Zornosa or, or whatever, you know, so That depends like trying to figure things out is fine but I think you need to at least have a solid foundation about what you're trying to do and then try to fit in players because the defense thing does not make sense because not just are we are you changing the center backs we have also spoken about this that we also somehow do this thing where we switch the center backs like the right center back would play the left center back the next game and and vice versa so it's not really you know it it doesn't seem like a lineup of somebody with a clear plan and i don't know how i feel about that but yeah i i I, that is how i look at it when i see too many changes in the lineup uh you know at this point of the the season uh does it make you feel the same way or what are your thoughts on on this like do you think Toril knows what his best 11 is
1: you know what um i i just gave up on, you know, understanding what Kareel has in mind. I mean, during the entirety of the last season, I didn't see uh, that he was learning about his squad at all. So I don't know anymore. I, I don't really have hope for him to actually learn about this squad either. It, um, th- this is purely about him. this the, might, these complaints are. Purely about him, uh, like there are some very specific things that be, that the fans have been saying for months and months, and no one understands why he doesn't see it and doesn't implement them, and like some very obvious things. I, I mean, I, I won't be listing them, but like you know, obvious things like you know when Olga and a play, that they should switch, that Swava should be an attack, and you know things like that that basically everyone talks about and he just doesn't seem to you know see it at all he refuses to see it so you no know, i don't know if he will ever know what his best 11 is um because here's the thing he uh, he loves i already uh said this like multiple times and i think this is it i mean i was trying to find the reasons for what happened in the last match of this last season happened and my main conclusion was that he likes doing these like uh easiest solutions you know and uh well the easiest of the easiest solutions was like just putting weir on the pitch and just uh you know hoping that she fixes whatever is going on on the pitch and you know she does fix most of the things, and uh, even though it's just one individual player, she's just great, but now he lost that option now he's completely lost, so now we see this uh, and say, "Oh, uh, you know, he just doesn't know his best eleven yeah, he just completely lost without we without his like easy way out or something. I just don't think that he will ever learn what his best eleven is that." That's it. I mean, I'm just so done with him. Uh, You can tell. So, yeah, so tired. So tired of understanding what's going on in his head at at this point.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's his first season. And, yeah, we've spoken about this in in the games that we have discussed in the past as well. Like how we are used to save us from mediocrity in, in the past. And now she's not there and you know the direct consequence of that is we do look lost not in attack but in every department like i don't know uh, it just feels that way but yeah anyway let's let's move on like that's enough talk about just the lineups and and everything i think let's move on to the next thing and i think it's pretty. It's pretty interesting. Uh, Let me just go through Granada's lineup because there was a player that we have shared a lot of history with uh, in in the past who has represented us uh, with Tacon. So it's Esther who is back uh, playing against us with a third team. She played against us with Valencia. She played against us with Levante Las Planas. And now she's playing against us with granada so granada were in in a 4-2-3-1 as well and they were doing pretty uh like they were doing some interesting stuff like it was the same thing that we we do they basically mirrored what we were trying to do we were in a 4-4-2 you know sort of 4-4-2 of the ball and you know wingers trying to stay wide and attack it was it was pretty pretty nice but it was also pretty heartwarming to see esther back you know uh she will always be remembered for that derby against madrid cff when we were tacon uh i have fond memories of her i think she was one of the most improved players as the season went on with with tacon and yeah it's been nice that she she's getting along well and it's always nice to you know see her back uh yeah that's that is all I have to say about that. Do you have anything to add, or like, should we move on? Because,
1: I me, mean, no, not uh, not really. Just uh, fun to see her, you know, uh, back playing against us and um, against a different team again. It's like you know, um, it's, she likes trying new things against us, and yeah, you know, it's it's fun, fun, uh, fun times.
0: Yeah. So let's let's move mm-hmm. on, and let's talk about the game so we we scored an early goal and as always that changes a lot of things Athenia opened the scoring with a well-taken goal let's say like that was a great shot perfectly placed into the bottom corner and stuff and Athena's performances eh, at the start of the season have been really good but you know we have seen in the past that she performs well for two two months and then sort of fades away. We we don't want that. Then Granada, we'll talk about Granada Granada's goals uh, separately. But yeah, let's let's talk about our goals and let's start with that. I think that would be a better place. Athena scored a goal. Naomi Feller scored a goal, which was a result of a defensive error at the back and Naomi was just the first to react and put it away in a, in an empty net. Toletti and Brun both scored off the bench. Toletti scored a brace. Like and it both of both the goals were great and both the goals highlighted something very specific to Toletti uh, and highlighted the sort of skill set that she has. Senior Brun once again on the score sheet which is nice to see because Senior Brun is the sort of player you want to be scoring goals for you. You want to be consistently, you want her to be consistently involved in goals for you because that will breed confidence and confidence will breed more goals for her. So that was nice to see. If you want to add anything to, in regards of any of these goals, you can. Otherwise we can talk about Sandy Tullity's performance off the bench and how she improved the way we played but yeah if you have anything to say about the goals uh you can and we will discuss granada's goal like separately because they all culminate to one very teething issue that we have had since like eternity so yeah if you have anything to add about our goals or any of the players that they that scored the goals uh now is the moment
1: um yeah Uh, I I do have one thing, um, just to get it out of the way. Because, well, Fallon had one goal and two assists in this match. Uh, I think it's quite overlooked when talking about this match. Uh, But it's interesting because, you know, she started as a striker and then later on, uh, with all the changes, uh, she moved on to the wing and she actually assisted twice. In uh well <laughs> I would say almost the same manner. Uh two very precise crosses, one to uh Toletti for her first goal and one to Brun. Uh I mean it with two very precise crosses, very clean crosses, and she just did great there. I mean, from the right wing. And um the goal she scored was actually <laughs> It's actually very chaotic. Uh, it was like this whole thing, uh, you know, Atenea kind of, I, I don't know. It was so weird. It, it, whole confusion in the box and in the end, like, Fella managed to push it in. Like, it was so weird. I don't, At this point, I don't even know how to explain it. But yeah, just confusion. But, uh, yeah, I'm just saying that Pella is much more efficient when she plays on the wing. I mean, sure, yeah, she scored there, and sure, it went while she was a striker. But again, the two assists she made from, you know, when she was a winger were very clean. And, you know, you can really see that um, they were not, you know, accidental because she did it twice. So, yeah, I just wanted to note this one thing, uh, because I feel like Fowler's performance in this game, especially the goal assists, uh, go unmentioned. Oh, I don't, I didn't see people actually talking about her. So, yeah, just this one note.
0: Nice that you brought it up, because I think that is a pretty good thing to discuss, because you know, Feller started as the striker and, you know, we have in the past seen her play up front. We have in the past seen her play on the wings and, you know, she she is a very unique sort of player who is excellent at running the channels, who is excellent of playing off the other player and attacking the space that, that is vacated for her. But playing as a lone striker does not really like bring the best out of her. It's not the best use of her skill set. She's good at making runs in behind. She's good at, you know, attacking the box and everything. But that has to come from a wide area where the primary focus isn't on her making the run in behind. Yeah, right. And that is what we saw when she moved, when Brune came on and she moved out to the, to the right flank. And... Her, her crosses were great like for the first goal and <coughs> she, she she did well she has she has it in her wherein like she can take on a player she can beat them for for the pace and generate space and then put in a very good ball into the heart of the box for either a, a midfielder making a trailing run or you know sort of Anybody like now we have aerial targets in the box. So, you know, the, this crossing ability is pretty good. And she has the uh, quality to generate space for herself and put, put this balls, put these balls in. So it, it was pretty nice to see. And, and instantly you could see the difference as soon as she went wide, because that allowed her to make a sort of a diagonal run in behind that allowed her to go on the outside of the fullback to sort of get the ball and put the cross in which which instantly made a difference and i think if if you have to encapsulate uh, feller as a as a person this game would be perfect to show sort of what sort of skill set she has and where she is be- best utilized i think it is from a starting wide position wherein she can come inside she can come centrally but it all begins from near the touchline where she's allowed to take on her player where she's allowed to go on the outside of the player and you know try to create things for for her side and uh, yeah I think that is how she should be best utilized but it's also worth pointing out that it is quite good to have a player who is versatile who is capable of sort of creating this chaos from different position and offer us different tools when playing in different roles so yeah, I mean, Feller has been great, and I, I, although I do think that if we can give her a wide starting position, that would be great. But her filling in as the as the striker is no surprise because you know we only technically have one recognized striker in the in the squad. Uh, if we ignore like Carla Camacho because she's very young, she's like still getting up to the speed. She's still get, getting ready to take that step. But yeah, Felaire is a great asset, which we are probably not maximizing, given how we use her. So yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting thing to discuss about where Felair is, you know, used best. What do you think about her role? Like, I know you touched upon it briefly, but do you want to add something to it uh, further about you know fede starting as the as the right winger or fede starting as the as a striker which one do you prefer
1: i mean i do prefer her as a winger we've talked about like whenever she gets the central role she actually uh tends to go wide um and you know when she's a lone striker uh comes off a bit chaotic you know obviously but it's her tendencies, you know, it, it, she's not a striker, so, you know, it's natural, and I agree with her. And we also t- said, said, like, even last season, that uh, when she does play centrally, that uh, she would be actually great as a, you know, second striker on pitch with you know, uh, an actual number nine al- alongside her. So, I don't know, I would like her to see her... Um, you know in this central role uh alongside Brun as well so i, I don't know i mean we've never we've never seen her as a second uh striker you know ever since brun came so yeah but i i do prefer her starting on the wing uh and i mean you can see how much cleaner the gameplay is with her and uh that well, her you know specialties are from the wing. You can you can really see like do, those two assists really show it. I mean, the very precise crosses and once again just um crazy. So yeah, I, I mean I don't have anything else to say. Um, but yeah, please just she's a winger. Uh, and uh when even before this season started, I knew that it would probably be uh her as like the second um uh, option striker so yeah it's actually true um which i'm not really that happy about uh quite neutral about it but yeah still would love to see her as a winger but then again like this she gets more minutes so I don't know I mean we weird stuff to choose from I don't know
0: yeah I mean it is a good problem to have but also, you know, at some point we'll have to make a choice about how to use this player because Felair can be so much more than just a utility player who can fill in multiple roles for the for the squad. And I think giving her a specific role would be interesting. But also, uh, I think the minutes there would be a little difficult to come by. So, you know, we will probably continue to keep seeing Feller in this sort of central role multiple times in the as as the season goes on because for the right wing we have atenea and we have raso as well so the minutes will be split between those two on the left flank we have olga we have linda Caicedo is probably going to start every single game uh moving forwards or like at least feature in literally every single game because she's that important so yeah it lives it leaves Feller in a bit of a of a very dicey situation where you know she isn't being played in a role where we can get the best out of her but yeah i mean uh, at some point maybe it will come down to a decision where she decides whether she wants to stay or not or whatever but yeah it's it's a it's a tricky position to be in but also handy for real Madrid to have a player who can you know play both those roles and execute them uh to a very respectable degree uh especially when playing uh up front you, you know she gives us the pressing she gives us the runs in behind and stuff so it's it's pretty cool it's pretty cool thing to have in your squad moving on let's talk about the player of the match or sort of a player of the moment in that game Coming off the bench, Toletti scored a brace. And that was very, like, it it was very quick fire. She scored two goals in two minutes. Like, she scored one in 67th minute, and (coughs) she scored the other in 69th minute. And she had, like, she had just come on, like, 10 minutes before that, before scoring a goal. So she instantly came on. She took the midfield under her under her wing and she just showed what an actual box to box midfielder can do and I was pretty happy with it so I'm not going to go on a rant immediately and talk about what Toleti can offer and why she actually impacted the uh, proceeding the way she did I'll give you a chance to speak first to add if you have anything to say about her if you have any notes you can say it about Toletti and then I'll, I'll talk about, I'll talk a more, a bit more about her.
1: You know what? Um, so here's the thing. I don't actually have any notes uh, on Toletti because, um, I mean, I knew that you would talk about her a lot. Uh, so I'll let you, uh, (laughs) you know, go on your, uh, rant and take up, uh, my time that you were thinking of, you know, that I was supposed to talk about but yeah let's just uh, I just want to say that the finishing in uh, you know her two goals that she scored uh was yeah uh so clean uh and well the first goal was like immediate you know from Feller's cross and the first touch, it was so so clean the, the the finishing of the her first goal was I, I don't know. I, I watched that one so many times. And it's just, you know, on repeat. You can just watch it over and over again. So it's a real sight to see. Uh, and yeah, but now you can take it over. And, you know, I uh, just go on the rant you want to uh, talk about. And yeah, take it over.
0: Okay, so <clears throat> my moment has come finally after after being the one to consistently keeps saying that tolety should be you know constantly in the lineup should be one of our first choices in on the team sheet i think this game uh, was another example like this game isn't a sort of a perfect encapsulation you're not going to get a brace every game from tolety but what you're going to get is what we exactly saw if you look at both of our goals let's talk about the first goal wherein Feller crosses from the right and it's Toleti making a trailing run into the box right at the heart and she times her, her run so well that she's able to take the shot in her stride like she doesn't have to break a stride the cross comes in it's, it's first time like she's not touching the ball and controlling it and then taking a shot it, it's first time like the ball comes in she takes takes it first time and it's a goal. The second goal was even interesting because as the play kept progressing <coughs> as linda received right in front of the opponent's box she turned and who is making the run in behind as an option it's Terlety. like her runs from midfield to attack the opposition box and this is not the first time that it's happening we have seen this multiple times in in all sorts of positions. we have seen her synergy with with uh, when weir was here they would play quick one twos at the edge of the box and Tuality would make the run in or weir would take the run in and they would find each other we have seen Tuality split defenses with her with her passing with her vision taking a first touch uh, like taking a first touch around the corner and flicking it on into the path of of uh, you know Brune or whoever is making the run in behind we have seen Tuality make the runs uh, or support play rather on the on the wide areas providing a option for wide combination wherein you know she's playing quick little one twos to release a player in behind or she is the one making the run in between the channel between the center back and the fullback to receive the ball in behind and try to cross the ball in from there like we have seen all of this multiple times over in the attacking third and you know if if you have a player that offers you all of that that is already very valuable like you would want such a player who can give you the runs in behind give you the defensive steal, give you the understanding to support play to progress it in the opposition half but tolety also gives you a lot more when it comes to the first and the second phase which is the build-up and the progression phase it's not just the chance creation and the goal scoring obviously that gets people to you know pay attention to what Taleti is doing but Taleti is a lot more than that Taleti is a player who can play as the you know deepest midfielder at times when you're trying to build up who is her movement is so good where wherein she can sort of present herself as an option at all times you know she's able to escape the cover shadow she's constantly reading her lines constantly identifying (coughs) from what direction the pressure is going to come and how she can evade it who is great at carrying the ball through the middle when she sees the space who has a great passing range as well and vision too and on top of that is excellent defensively as well and covers a lot of ground because we we have seen multiple times wherein the other midfielders would be able to push up just because toleti is holding ground in the middle she would she plays according to her environment like it's not it's not like she is constantly bombarding the opponent's box with box with her runs but she she identifies them so well she sees space she times her run and she makes just she is in the right spot at the right time like you you can say that she reads the play so well that she's able to anticipate and she's able to execute very very well and this applies to her also when she's without the ball like when we are defending she is able to plug in gaps wherein you know sometimes the fullback is is far ahead they have jumped into attack so she will cover that up Sometimes when we want to try to, you know, build with a back three, but we have pushed our fullbacks high, Toleti would drop in between the center backs or on the outside to help us break the opposition press because this is a player who is press resistant. This is a player who is defensively very astute and very working because, you know, multiple times we have seen Toleti regaining the ball for Real Madrid in the middle of the park. She is able to disrupt attacks with, with a well-timed tackle Her interception numbers are good. She's able to read the play well as well along on top of all of this. And yeah, I mean, I can go on about what, what she can offer and what she cannot offer. But this is a player with a very well-rounded skill set, especially in midfield. You don't often find a player who is able to like sort of do it all and do it all to a very, very good degree. Wherein she can score goals, she can create goals, she can help you progress the ball and on top of all of that she can also help you defend and you know keep the team together. She's sort of this uh, bonding glue that the team has wherein she connects each third with the other one and helps the team in every single phase possible and it's a joy to watch her. It's a joy to watch her execute what she has in her mind. To watch those runs where she's she's not tracked by the opposition because she has timed her run so well that everybody would be focused on somebody else but it would be Toletti who would get in, in the right place at the right time which we saw in the first goal against Granada as well. Like She timed her run so well that nobody was able to pick her up because nobody knew that run was coming. So it was it was a brilliant performance of the bench i would say uh, and i think you know i think she has established herself as the as a mainstay in the lineup now even though she did not uh, she did not start this game but her impact on this game was very very tangible and yeah i'm 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 very happy with how things are going with tolety and i hope like we are able to keep her and she gets even even a bigger role and is is a mainstay in the midfield for you know uh a few more years at least in the future so yeah i w- i was pretty happy with the with the way she performed in this game and yeah i mean i got i got to talk about it as well uh, so that's pretty cool but yeah let's let's move on let's move on to talk about something else to talk about our fourth different goal scorer which was senior Brune. so yes senior Brune has scored again which is great you know we we have a striker who can score goals <coughs> whenever whenever she likes she's in a good touch and most importantly if you look at that fifth goal it underlines a very important fact about how brune likes to play so when when she was signed we had a pod and we discussed that you know aerial ability is one of her biggest asset and that is true and that is true for two very good reasons she number one is pretty basic like she's tall okay it's it's difficult to deal with tall people uh when it comes to defending crosses uh, because they are consistently uh uh ahead of you and they are consistently more likely to win the first contact but just winning the first contact is not enough and it's not enough because Brune is so good with her movements if you look at that fifth goal the way she is able to separate herself from her marker and this is not the first time that this is happening She uses double movement, she uses, she understands the blind side of of a defender and how to, you know, sort of be in there when the cross is coming in and as soon as the cross is put in, just, you know, sort of beat whatever the defender is expecting, like completely outdo them and manage to get the header in. And that is what we saw on the fifth goal. And it's extremely, extremely positive signs to watch from from your striker from your only recognized striker in the in the team in the squad and i hope long it may continue because we are definitely going to need these goals from Brune to keep coming at a consistent basis on a game to game basis it, it will be very important to whatever we want to achieve uh, this season but yeah i, I really I really liked Brune's performance in this game, especially on that fifth goal. I think it was, it was a brilliantly taken goal. Not just, she did not just win the header because she was tall, but she was able to separate herself from her marker and, you know, sort of score on the, on the opponent. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't have anything else to add about Brune. Do you want to sort of uh, add any thoughts that you have on Brune's performance or you can lead us on to the next thing which where we talk about raso and and her performance and uh, now that she has started started this game
1: uh i don't know i mean it's it's good to see <laughs> it's good to see Brune uh and the on her scoring spree uh obviously that's good uh but i don't have anything else to add about the performance i don't really i remember anything else you know Uh, aside from the goal yeah and then raso okay so raso i uh okay so here's the thing i have like one note about her and i think we already like um talked about it that raso tends to go more centrally you know from from the wing uh she really likes to go more centrally like when uh. Right at the entrance of the box, like you know, in her trying to cross the ball in, or you you know just uh, get the ball into the box to someone else is um very rare to see from her. She usually likes to run uh inside uh with the ball, and yeah, I mean I noticed in this game that uh, she was trying to break through, you know, like this. Uh, and then oftentimes she would get surrounded, uh, so she would have to pass to Kenty, who, you know, would actually go wider, you know. Um, and I don't know, I mean, this happened a lot, this game, probably in the last games as well. I mean, she she tends to do this uh, very often. Uh, so, yeah, I mean i'll give it back to you uh to see what you have to expand on this so yeah i'm curious
0: i mean raso does have that tendency but i think i think it is a bit unusual as well because you know she is a right-footed player she is (coughs) her natural tendency is obviously to go out but yeah given the sort of It also depends on the sort of dynamic that you have with the fullback. So, you know, if you have a fullback who is more comfortable going inside. uh, Marasa would definitely prefer to, you know, sort of go on the outside and try to create chances and try to get into into the box that way. But with an overlapping fullback with a fullback that likes to stay wide I think Raso being wide as well would be redundant and would be counterproductive to whatever we want to do in, in terms of our chance relation. And I think that has that has a role to play in in her decision making to you know sort of pick the ball out wide and then uh, attack inside and take on the players and try to arrive more centrally. I'm not opposed to it. I think she she pulls it off well. I think she. She understands what she needs to do. She has great pace, which allows her to, you know, sort of create a separation very easily from her opponents. And yeah, I mean, uh, I. I, It's not something that I would pay a lot of attention to. I think her preference is still to go out wide. She's that sort of she's a byline attacking uh, winger, you know where she'll consistently try every single opportunity to try and attack the byline and try to play the cutback or the cross or just get in a box and earn a foul you know and uh, I think I mentioned it in the previous pod or I maybe I did not but her quality to you know sort of get to the ball ahead which is like heavily reliant on her on her pace but she's able to consistently sort of get to the ball first, which is a big thing because, you know, it's not just these, it's not just getting the ball first. But, you know, if, if the opponent has to take the ball off of her or be, be first to it, she is very smart in using that scenario to earn a foul for her team, which helps us win more fouls in the attacking third of the pitch which in turn, <coughs> which in turn a- allows us to create chances from dead ball situations, which is, which is a great asset to have. If, if you have players like, you know, Linda, if you have players like Raso who are very good at winning fouls, then it's, it's a big asset. Once again, if you have players like Tere and Zornosa to put those dead balls in and then you can use your height advantage from brune and rocio and Sousa to you know sort of score score the goals and that is that is a big positive so you know it's not just her ball carrying it's not just her dribbling it's not just her chance creation but it is also the way she is able to earn the foul for for her side that that makes her her a very good very good asset to have. So yeah, those, those are my thoughts on Raso's performance in, and Raso's sort of role in the, in the squad and how she's able to impact things uh, for us. Moving on, let's, let's now talk about Granada's role because I think that will be something that we have discussed multiple times because it all culminates to that so the first goal comes from the left flank which is like sort of our right from kenty's side uh there isn't enough closing down on the player carrying the ball the ball comes into the box there is a initial header which is sort of saved but then the second header like the player really really tries like suarez really really, really tries to get to the ball first and try to you know sort of just roll the ball over the line and you know earn a goal in because that would be a big thing for for granada and they did it very well and it wasn't the first time that they were able to like sort of uh create danger for us it, throughout the game they had 14 shots against us which is no joke like we had 21 shots but granada had 14 shots against us if you're allowing a team that many shots you're sort of gambling with what the outcome of those will be and especially when your defense is is a bit shaky like ours is it becomes an even bigger problem because you are basically relying on variance to you know side with you all the time which which it won't you know someday some team would take three shots and score three goals from them so being allowing the other team to create multiple opportunities to score a goal is is never a good sign. And I think I think every fan that watches the game understands that our defense has been very, very subpar in in these games. (coughs) And there doesn't seem to be any sign of improvement like at all, which which is a which is a bit concerning. But yeah, so The second goal was even sort of worse, wherein, you know, Tere makes uh, a mess of the ball that she gets and then it's a great shot, hits the post, falls into the path of another Granada player who slots it home in an empty net. So it again stemmed from a defensive mistake at the back, you know, maybe not winning the first contact, maybe not winning the sort of 1v1 duel, which we again saw against Valaranga as well, where, you know, we weren't able to deal with them defensively, especially their striker, uh, you know, coming up against fast strikers with three players in your, in your back line or all four players in your back line, not being a- capable of dealing with, with those, uh, with, with that sort of pace becomes a big issue especially when you are in no way sort of helping these players by, you know, putting them in, in different positions constantly, like uh, moving them around, constantly taking somebody off and putting somebody in. It it makes up, it it makes a mess. And that is what we have seen defensively in this game and in the games in the past, like even in you don't have to look far behind to understand what defensive mess I'm talking about. You can look at the previous game and you know, you can judge from there where we were completely unable to deal with the with the pace that <coughs> with the pace that Rogic was able to like sort of showcase and it's I don't know how things are going to be fixed in this regard if we keep like switching things in defense this consistently. And again, this just goes to show a sort of a sort of a thing where your coach is not really, you know, assured or not really clear with his with his game plan at the moment. And yeah, we have paid the price. We paid the price twice in this game. We were able to outscore them, but it won't always be, you know, sort of possible in these scenarios to just get away with it sort of so yeah i mean do you want to add anything to our defensive issues which doesn't seem to go away at all for some weird ass reason
1: i mean you you've talked about it um a lot (laughs) Uh, and we've talked about it a lot as well in the past A few episodes as well, but uh, I want to add one little thing that's specific to this match. You know, every every match we find something new, you know, uh, a new problem with our defense, it seems. Um, I don't want it to become a tradition, uh, but yeah, sort of is so... So uh, yeah, I wanted to say one little thing about their first goal. Um, a minute or so, I I don't know, like around a minute uh, before the goal uh, happened. Uh, well, you know, they were they were taken offside, and we uh, I don't know who who of ours took that. And gave it back to misa, and misa uh shot it out uh and I just well, you see this is not really a new thing, is it because uh when misa shoots the ball out it, oftentimes it does not end in our possession, right uh so you know this is a recurring thing and but Basically, there was the moment that we lost the possession and it's been like, it was like a minute or so of them uh, trying to go through the right side and somewhere through the middle, then, you know, pull back again, then try the other side. And, you know, they finally managed to get the ball in from the left side um, by Edna, uh, you know, she uh, sent that cross in. Uh, so it was like chaotic for like a minute or so. We tried to get the ball under control. We we were like recovering a couple of times, but then lost possession again, and so on, and so on. So it was a, well, it was a moment that we lost possession and didn't manage to regain it, and that's how we conceded this goal. So yeah, just this um thing because it's interesting. I mean, our mistakes. Uh, when we concede a goal, uh, before that goal, it's usually a mistake that's, you know, like, um, makes the opponent score uh, fast, like, you know, they have to act fast to score, you know, out of that, out of those mistakes, like, like the second goal was, right? Uh, it was just a, a mistake in, after that field control, and, you know. You know, mistakes like that, though those are pretty common. But this one is, um well, pretty unnoticeable uh, if you don't track back to where it started. And, you know, I kind of remember to track back to it. And I don't even know what to say anymore to that. I mean, it's not a new thing. Is it like, it really isn't uh, the thing about Misa's shooting the ball out. Uh, because it really, more often than not, Uh, ends up in the opponent's possession and uh, it was just interesting to see that we never regained possession in that like minute or so that this action uh, was going on and yeah um, that's it I guess
0: yeah interesting that you brought it up because you know it it aligns with the idea about why teams don't sort of just hoof the ball up front because it can result in turnovers and it likely results in turnover because this is one of the main principles when when you go player to player marking as well against the ball because what you're essentially doing is you are forcing the goalkeeper to go take the long route and then you're relying that your players will win the first contact uh, when the ball you know reaches your half and that is a gamble worth taking. And you know, when 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 the goalkeeper is kicking the ball long, it unless you know you sort of have very good aerial players all across the board, which we don't have. Which we we have a target player in Brune, but apart from that, like Raso isn't as good in the air. Atenea isn't as good in the air. Linda isn't, and Zornosa isn't either. So like, if the, these are your other options, you are likely not going to win the aerial duel uh, or or the first contact and if you can if the opponent can force our goalkeeper to go long then it is likely that they are going to you know sort of regain possession and you know come back at us when we are not as well organized as you know we are normally which we are never but yeah you you get the point so yeah i think that is probably enough Defense talk for the, for this part because I am pretty sure this topic is never going to go away So we'll always sort of have this segment where we discuss our defensive issues somehow every part but yeah I think that probably Concludes this game the next next up. We have Valaranga once again in the in the Champions League playoffs we have a narrow lead from the first leg but you know things will be different they i i feel like they weren't at their best against us in the in the first leg like, because they were trying to be conservative they were trying to you know sort of not uh concede a lot of goals and i think they succeeded in that but yeah it will be a challenge it will be a challenge if yanni thompson's uh yanni thompson returns and you know it would be difficult to deal with Yanni Thompson and and Rogic at her pace. It's going to be an interesting battle to see, nonetheless. And I hope we do make it to the actual Champions League group stages, which will be a, a big thing because you know if we if we fail to do that, it will be a it will be quite a blow for a team who has been you know consistently <coughs> doing well ever since they have gotten into uh, the the champions league they have they have shown enough i think even though like sometimes wins have not come our way sometimes we have lost game unfortunately due to some you know defensive errors at the back but this is a team that has been a consistent mainstay in the in the champions league for the last two years and i think that should continue because you know real madrid and european competitions go hand in hand so hopefully we do make it to the champions league group stages and we will be back again to discuss that game with with you guys so yeah until then ala madrid
1: ala madrid sports social podcast
0: network with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere